Okay, let's turn to the book of Acts. And um, we're going to be doing a lot of reading this morning, so if you'll just read along with me as I read these passages of Scripture. I've entitled this A Great Church. Acts chapter number 6, verse number 1, it says, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, we saw that this church just began to grow. But let's see how it all started. So Acts chapter number 1, okay, and starting in verse number 1, it says, Former, former trustees have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they, and when therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times nor the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth." And when he had spoken these things, while they behold, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now I want you to move over to verse number 13. And when they were come in, they went up into the upper room. This is talking about the disciples. Where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of the names together were about an hundred and twenty. Men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost, by the mouth of David, spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers of Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue, Exceldimia, that is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein. And his bishopric let another take. Wherefore of these men 
which have accompanied with us all the time that Jesus, uh, all the time that Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justus and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the heart of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part in this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, and he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. And then ten days later, we go to chapter number two. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now Pentecost was their ingathering, and it was 50 days after, after uh, the Passover. And so they, 40 days Jesus was with them. They were praying. There was 120 of them. He was ascended up. And now 10 days later, after they've been praying for 10 days and fellowshipping, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judah in Cappadocia, and Pontus, in Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in parts of Libya, about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes, and Arabian, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed, and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others, mocking, said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the, day, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now we're going to move on to verse number 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourself also know. Him being delivered by the determinated counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. 
whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he was both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with him to an oath that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would rise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither was his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, wherefore we all are witnesses." Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he saith, Shed forth this, which ye see and hear. For David is not ascended up into heaven. But he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Pretty strong message. Strong preaching. Verse number 37 says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said, Peter, and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, and with many other words to testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and that same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread from house to house. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men. Every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have recorded this historical event, this biblical event that we can see what took place with those early Christians. Now, Heavenly Father, as we continue with the service this morning, as we look at some of the things that we're going to outline, Heavenly Father, may you prick our hearts and help us to have that same fervency, that same joy that these apostles had, these people had. Hide me behind the cross, O oh Lord. Give me clarity of thought. Untangle my tongue so that I can say the things that will touch hearts. 
take control of the service, Heavenly Father. We'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We see at the beginning of the book of Acts, we see this little church begin to grow. And I say a little church, it didn't start on this day of Pentecost. It started before that. We can read it in the book of Matthew where Jesus comes to his apostles, his disciples, and said, who do men say that I am? Some of them said, well, you're John the Baptist. Some of them said, well, you're Isaiah or you're Jeremiah. You're one of the prophets. And he asked them, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter made the statement, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him that, he, that Peter, he says, Peter, flesh and blood hasn't told you this, but God's told you this. And he says, upon that statement that I am, the Christ, the son of the living God, I will build my church. And he started building that church right then and there. And we see that, that we got the disciples and begin to see people getting saved. And then, of course, we saw uh, after uh, 40 days after, after uh, uh, the, the ascension, we find that there was 120 of them meeting together, praying, seeking God's face. And then when it came to that day, on the day of Pentecost, we saw that 3,000 souls were saved. Probably more than that, but at least 3,000 were baptized and added to that church. Can you imagine having a service, maybe a church our size and having a service, and we have a whole flood of people come in and they hear the gospel and they all get saved and we, and we baptize them all and 3,000 souls are added to the church. Can you imagine what that was like? Can you envision that? I could, you know, normally what happens when a person gets saved, and they get baptized. Normally the pastor's the one that does the baptism. Sometimes in some churches, uh, the deacons do it. You know, they get up there and they baptize it. But can you imagine this? Every one of those 12 apostles had to be busy that day, along with everybody else that they could get to help baptizing people. Why were they baptizing him? Because they were not ashamed of the fact that they had trusted Jesus Christ. They were not ashamed of the fact that they were now born into the family of God, that they had repented of their sins, and they were, and they were trusting the salvation that only Jesus Christ can give. They were accepting his, his ministry, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so they were baptized to say, we accept that. And that's what baptism is all about. And the church began to grow. Later on, in the, in the fifth chapter of the, the book of Acts, we find that the preaching has gone out, and this time when it preaches, 5,000 are saved. And these were just men. It says 5,000 men were saved. And then when we get to Acts, the sixth chapter, it says the number of the disciples was multiplied. It didn't even say how many there were. But it was estimated that probably at one time there probably been maybe close to 100,000 had come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And these were mostly Jews. Uh, an amazing thing. Okay? And they had a great church. But what was, their, what was their purpose? What was their purpose? Well, their purpose was to follow Jesus' commandment. He says you should uh, to, to, to wait until you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and you, you shall be witnesses. And he says, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And that's a part of our, our, our command uh, uh, that has gone out to be a witness here in Jerusalem. That'd be right here where we are. 
and Judea would maybe be in our state. Samaria would go on a little bit further. And then the uttermost parts of the world, that's why we send out missionaries. And the church has, uh, the purpose of, of the local church is threefold. We're to evangelize. We're to win people to Jesus Christ. We're to be a testimony, a light and salt in the community so that people will know that the Savior has come, that Jesus died, that he was buried, that he rose again for our sins. We're to uh, evangelize. We're to educate them in the things of God. Okay? And we're to edify one another, build each other up. These are the three tasks that a church has to, ha has to have and when a church does these three things, they become a great church. They become good. Uh, not necessarily a large one. Now, this one was a large one, but not necessarily a large one, but a great one. I knew of a church when we were in Oregon, and uh, there, was a, there was a little church over on the coast of Oregon, and the pastor had been there for over 30 years. Uh, this church only had about 25 to 30 people in it. They, would, they, they had a couple times, they had a big day, and the big day was 75 people or something like that. And it was the whole area because the town wasn't even that big. And I asked the pastor, I says, well, well, how come you stay there so long? And he says, because that's where God put me. And he says, and we're doing the job. And people were getting saved. But it was amazing to find out how many People had gotten saved in that church, baptized in that church, called of God in that church to go out and start other churches and go into the mission field. Over the years, it was a great church. It wasn't large, but it was a great church. What made this church great? Well, one of the things is they had great preaching. Okay, they had great preaching. We saw what Peter did. He got up. And he preached. He preached the word of God. Okay? Um, we saw him in the, in the temple. He preached the word of God. He saw him before religious leaders. Peter and John preached the word of God. As a matter of fact, they told them, don't do it. Don't preach. And they said, well, you judge. We've only got, we can only give what God has told us to do, what we know. And we know that Jesus died and that he was buried and he rose the third day. We're witnesses of that. We saw it. We saw it take place. And that's the message that we have. Now you judge. Are we going to obey God or, or obey you? Of course, they, they didn't like that. And they kept on preaching. They, uh, uh, they preached to crowds. Okay, Stephen preached to crowds. Stephen was a deacon and he preached. It cost him his life. They got so mad at him because he did the same thing that Peter did. He says, you know, you took Jesus Christ who didn't have any sin in his life and you took him with your wicked hands and you crucified him. And we buried him, but he rose again the third day and he's alive. And they didn't like that. And they stoned Stephen to death. Uh, now, listen, I'll say this, being a deacon, if you don't like what I'm preaching, take it up with God. Don't don't, don't, don't take it out on me, okay? I'm only, I'm only the mouthpiece, you know. But anyway, that was Stephen. Philip, another deacon that was in the church, and he was, do, he was doing uh, uh, about what God told him to do, and God says, I want you to go into the desert. And they went in, and he found a guy that was in Ethiopia. He had been to Jerusalem worshiping, and he was reading the book of Isaiah. He was reading Isaiah 53, 
And sometimes you can set aside and read Isaiah 53. And, and uh, uh, Philip came along, hopped up in there with him, and uh, says, what you reading? And he says, well, I'm reading this portion of Scripture. And he asked him a couple of questions. And Peter had some great preaching. He preached Jesus Christ. And he probably preached the whole message of the whole thing. They came along, uh, they came along to some water. And the, uh, uh, the eunuch says, well, here's some water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip says, if you believe in Christ, you can with all your heart. And he says, I believe with all my heart. They got down in the water, got baptized. The eunuch went on. They believed that that eunuch went on and began to spread the gospel in Ethiopia. Okay. Philip, the next time you see Philip, God took him out of the desert and sent him to Samaria. And he started having revival meetings in Samaria. And people were getting saved. Now, you've got to understand that the Jews would have nothing to do with the Samaritans. But God wanted to save them. And so he sent Philip to preach the gospel to, the, to, the, to uh, Samaria. Um, before the Roman centurion, Peter preached the word of God. Paul went before the, the, the Gentiles. Uh, and he became uh, a missionary. He went on three of journeys yeah, he wound up going to jail. I like the story here in the 16th chapter book of Acts where Paul and Silas had gone into a city and they had preached the gospel. They didn't like it. They threw them in jail. While they're in jail at midnight, they're praying, they're singing, they're witnessing about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and while this is going on, all of a sudden the Bible says that God shook that jail and all of their, their, the, 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 the doors were open, the shackles were off. The jailer comes in because he's scared to death because back then if you were a jailer and your prisoners got free, you had to take the punishment that they were going to receive. And so the jailer comes in, he comes running in because he's figuring I'm, I've had it. I don't know all the different ones, but with, with everybody that's involved in this, I'm probably going to get killed as soon as they find out. He takes out his sword. Paul says, don't do it. We're all here. And he ran in and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the great message was, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That man believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, took them out of the jail, took them into the house. His household was gathered. His whole house accepted Christ as Savior. And they got baptized. Paul, before the Greeks preached a message on Mars Hill to the unknown God. He preached about Jesus Christ to governors and kings and even before Caesar himself preached the Gospels. You see, they had some great preaching and a great church has got to have some great preaching. And what do we preach? We preach about Jesus Christ because the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that there's no other name given amongst men wherein we must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we preach. We don't preach a, a social gospel. We preach Christ. We've always been preaching Christ, and we're going to keep on preaching Christ. 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. Paul says to Timothy, it's a young preacher, he says, preach the word, be instant in season out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. He wanted instant Christians, you know, like instant potatoes. He wanted instant Christians. 
all ready to go. Okay? Now, that was, that was a message that was Timothy, the preacher, but it applies to all of us. We need to be available at all times. You never know when you run across somebody that needs the gospel. You never know. You can be at work and be, uh, 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 you know, involved in, in, with all of your might into work. And there might be somebody in there that needs Jesus Christ as Savior. And God has put you in that position so that you can be a testimony and a word to that individual that needs to hear it. And they come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. I've used this example many, many times, but, it, but, it, but it's, it's a good one. I, was, uh, I worked for Alpha Beta Markets. I was a grocery clerk for several years. And during the school year, I only worked from 1 to 10 in the evenings. But uh, uh, when summer was out, I would work the graveyard shift because I could work five days a week, six if, uh, if I could get it, make a little bit more money, and I would have various jobs. One, uh, this particular time, I was in charge of the paper aisle. That was, I don't know if you'll remember this, but years and years and years ago, Johnny Carson got up and he made a joke on the Tonight Show. And the joke was, we're running out of toilet paper. Does any of you remember that? Okay, some of you did? Okay. Well, he made this joke, and after he made that joke, we had a run on toilet paper. And I mean that people came in, and they just bought it left and right. And, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd laugh about it, because we, we'd just go down, and we'd just hit the order button, you know, to, to order more, and it would more come in. Well, it was my job to do, and I would, I would come in, and I would stock every night from midnight to nine, I would stock the paper aisle. That was one of the jobs. And I had other aisles too, but that was the main one. And we had plenty of toilet paper. We had it stocked, stacked all the way to the ceiling in the back room. So we didn't, you know. But anyway, I had been witnessing to a man, and I made it a point that I gave the gospel out to the people that I worked with. I didn't take the time away from my boss because I could work and run my mouth at the same time. Now, some have a problem with that. You know, they can't walk and chew gum at the same time. But I could talk and work at the same time. And so I would witness to various people. And there was this young man I'd been witnessing to over and over and over. And I got him to help me one night. And so we're, we're putting toilet paper up. He got on one end of the aisle, and I was on the other end of the aisle, and we're down putting toilet paper and, and paper towels up on the thing and, and making it look nice and pretty, getting it all ready to, to open up in the morning, and we're both on our knees, and we met right in the middle. And while we met there, I says, I've told you about Jesus and how much he loves you. Wouldn't you like to trust him as your Lord and Savior right here, right now? And you know what he did? He bowed his head. He says, oh, God, forgive me. Save me. And we were on shouting grounds the rest of the day because he got saved at something like 3 o'clock in the morning in the paper aisle, soaring up toilet paper down on his knees in the store. Listen, my friends, we as a church have an obligation to share our faith. We're all different. Some of you are, are, are extroverts, and you love to talk, and you're out there. Some of us are introverts. We don't like to talk. Some are, I mean, we're all different. And God puts us together for a reason because there are some people that you can reach that I can't reach or the pastor can't reach. And then there's some people that we can reach that you can't reach. And so we're all put together, but he expects us 
to be a witness because folks need to be saved. Your neighbors need to be saved. The people that you work with need to be saved. Your family needs to be saved. And it's so easy to just hand it out a track. Great preaching. He says, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. So they had great preaching. They had great salvations. It says there that we read in, 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 uh, in the book of Acts, uh, it says that there were 3,000 saved, and then 5,000 saved, and then multitudes saved. Okay? And uh, 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 great salvations. People believed. They trusted. It's said in the book of Romans, he says, how can a person be saved? And I'm paraphrasing. How, how can a person be saved if they've never heard? And how can they hear if they haven't been sent? Well, God has sent us. He's placed you in this church for a specific reason. He's placed me in this church for a specific reason. So that we can be the voice. So that we can say, this is what Jesus has done for me. He can do the same thing for you. And so they had great salvations. <clears throat> great salvations. Uh, they, they had great baptisms. They were obedient. Okay? They were told, uh, uh, the message was, you know, repent and be baptized. Christ was the example. He was baptized. Why was he baptized? He wasn't baptized to wash away his sins. He was baptized because it was the right thing to do. Okay? It was the right thing to do. As a matter of fact, he says, this fulfills all righteousness. It's the right thing to do. And so uh, they had great baptisms. Wouldn't it be nice to start having to keep the baptismal tank full because we've been doing what we're supposed to be doing, and that's giving out the gospel, and folks are getting saved. And a person who's trusted Jesus Christ and hasn't followed the Lord in believer's baptism, you're disobeying God's command. If you're truly saved, what hinders you from being baptized? The Ethiopian eunuch understood that. He understood exactly what it was. He says, here's water. What hinders me? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart. He says, I believe. And he says, okay, let's, come on. Let's get in the water and let's get you baptized. Because it's a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you've trusted Christ as Savior and you've never been scripturally baptized, you need to obey the Lord and get baptized. They had great teachings. Okay? We do more than just preach. We teach too. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have adult Bible classes. That's why we have prayer meeting Bible studies on Wednesday. We need, we need the, the teachings of the Word of God. We've got a book here, and you all have got one. Okay? You should have. If you don't, well, we've got some in the back. Uh, if you don't want to buy one, we've got a whole bunch of them over here. Some of them are really nice Bibles. I just gave one out that was really a nice Bible. It only had about two or three little things in it. It was almost new, and I handed it to the person. When I gave it to them, they said, oh, you got me a Bible. They were so excited about that. You got a Bible. You need, to, you, you, you need to get in it. You need to read it. But you also need to be instructed. You need to be where you can hear the Word of God. It says hearing the Word of God. It's important. 
in Acts the 17th chapter, the church at Berea, it said that they were more noble than all the rest because they searched the scriptures to see if what Peter and Paul was telling them. They searched the scriptures to see if it was true. So often we just take things for granted. And we can't take things for granted because sometimes men will say the wrong things. We need to search the scriptures together and as individuals. Great teaching. We saw in the first chapter of Acts that we read in the upper room, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. That's the teachings. Hey, they were teaching in the temple and from house to house. They had Bible studies everywhere. And they got involved in those Bible studies. They learned and they grew and God blessed them. They continued. Here's something. They had great togetherness. It says that they were in one accord. Okay, now that wasn't, that, that wasn't a Honda. Okay. But they were in one accord. In other words, they had one mind and one heart and one goal and one purpose. And that's what made them a great church is because they had those things together as one. When they gathered together, they gathered together to do business for God. And the purpose was one. Okay? They had one heart, one soul. Okay? One accord. They were kind of like the people in Nehemiah. It says that they had a mind to build. They had, they had their differences and everything, but they, they said, we're going to set those things aside so that we can build the things of God. Sometimes we have some disagreements. Okay? But we can still work together. Amen? Amen. With one cause, we can have a one mind and a one heart for the cause of Christ. I was in a church that uh, they did the Lord's Supper a little bit differently than we do. And um, pastor there felt that the only time that was the right biblical time to have the Lord's Supper was on the evening just before Easter. And that's the only time they had it. Now, I disagreed with him. I disagreed with him because of what the scripture says. It says, as oft as you do this. To me, that tells you to do does it more than one time. It says, as oft as you do that. And it doesn't say only do it on this particular time or on this particular date. He didn't see that, though. He says, nope, nope, nope. The only time should be the night just before Easter. I stayed with them for six and a half years, and I worked with him. Because we had one mind and one heart. I says, well, I can step aside. That's not a doctrinal issue. That's an operational issue. And so I can get along with him. I can get along with any preacher that preaches the word of God, clear and pure. And we may have some dif- disagreements about certain things. But if it's not a doctrinal issue, we can get along. And that's as, as members of this church, we may disagree on how we should do things. For instance, we may disagree on the color carpet that we're going to put in here. Okay, we may disagree on that. Some of you might want pink, and some of you may want blue, and some of you may want green, and some of you may want gray. Okay, we can disagree on those things, but if we're in accord, in one mind, we'll say, well, 
I might not get my way, but I'm going to get behind what needs to be done and get the job done. The first church that I pastored, I had that problem. Those folks couldn't agree on anything. We'd have a business meeting and it would last two hours. They would, they would complain about the wattage of the light bulb in the back hallway. You know, what, whether or not to put two-ply or four-ply or one-ply toilet paper in the bathroom. And they just bicker, bicker, complain, complain, complain. Couldn't get anything accomplished. And I'm talking about only 25 people. We had a bus, picked up kids. It was a 30-passenger bus, picked up kids. We had a bus fund, had $300 in the bus fund. The radiator on the bus sprung a leak. And I says, well, let's, get, let's take some money out of the bus fund and let's fix that bus. We almost had a church split over that. The deacon who drove the bus says, nope, you take that money out of that bus fund, I'm not going to drive that bus again. Not having the tact of, of an older pastor, I was very, very young at that time, I just said, well, I'll drive the bus if we have to because we're going to take the money out of the bus fund. I mean, in my mind, and then just first church, I did figure it out. If you've got a bus and you've got a bus fund and something goes wrong with the bus, you take money out of the bus fund to fix the bus. Come on. They disagreed with me. Well, we don't want to go and win souls. We want to go on visiting because we don't have a church of our own. I found a church of our own in the city of Corona. I found a church. It was about the size, had padded pews. It had a grand piano. It had an organ. It had offices in the back with filing cabinets and desks and roller chairs. It had a nursery that had a little roller gates that you could put a kid in there and you pull the gate down there to keep them nice and safe that they couldn't fall out. It had a nice parking lot. It was in a residential section. People, homes, everywhere. It's a beautiful building. They were going to let us have that building for $2,000 down and $200 a month. I had the $2,000. I would have paid that myself. I loaded them up on the bus. I was so excited. I said, God's opening this door up. And I drove them in. We saw it and we sat them down. The only thing we had to take in there was our hymn books and our gazette printer. That's the only thing that we needed to take with us. They fought over that and turned it down. Because they could not get along with one another. No. They did not have great togetherness they did not have one heart one mind okay we need to have one heart one mind we may disagree on a few things but we need to have one heart and one mind and that one mind is to glorify our lord jesus christ and do what he told us to do they had great faith it says they continued okay they continued with praying and supplications made continually they continued in the fellowship. They continued with breaking of the bread. They continued in prayers. They ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. That's what made them a great church. They ceased not. I don't know what the future is going to hold. All I know is I know who holds the future. And I know that if, it, if things keep going the way they're going and the Lord 
carries his coming and things keep going the way it's going, there may be a day when they'll say to this church, you can't have a service because you're full of hate, hateful people, because you preach against sin. But my friends, we need to be faithful. We need to continue on doing what God has told us to do. Sometimes it gets discouraging. Any of you ever get discouraged? I do. But these early churches, now I'm sure they got discouraged from time to time, especially when things didn't go right for them. But they continued. We need to continue doing what God has told us to do. Yes, the road may be rough. And yes, you may be discouraged. And yes, it may get old. And some things do get old and old. But God wants us to continue because that's where great faith is. He says, I may not know what the outcome is going to be, but I know who controls everything. And I know who I, my hands are in. They're in my Lord's hand. And our God is good. Amen? Amen? And he does good. And he always does good. They had great faith. They had great giving. It says here that they parted their goods. They sold, some, they sold their goods. They parted it. They gave what they needed so that everybody that had need in the church, the needs were met. Okay? Uh, they, they had the right view of ownership. They realized that everything that they had belonged to God and it hasn't changed. Everything that you have and everything that I have, we have because of a gracious God. And he could take it away from us just like that. They had great giving. Okay? They relieved the needs. They had a great purpose. And the purpose was that souls would be saved. The needs of the saints would be met. They had great praise. Gratitude. Verse number 7, it says uh, that they had things uh, were going well. They praised God. When things weren't going, were going well, they praised God. When Peter and, and some of the apostles were arrested and thrown in jail, they praised God anyway. Okay? When everything was going okay, they praised God. We've got to do the same thing. Okay? We've got to always praise God. They had great power. And the reason why they had great power is because they had a fear of God. Now, it's not five I'm scared to death. I don't know what's going to happen. It's a, it's a reverential respect for God recognizing that he has the power to do whatever he wants to do. Okay. He created the universe. He spoke. And everything came into existence. We read the book of Genesis, six days. First, there was nothing. And he just spoke the words, let this happen, 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 let this happen. Six days, everything in this entire universe, including mankind, was made in six days by the word of God. He has that power. My friends, he still has that power. It has not changed. He still has that power. He says that the hearts of the kings are in his hand. Okay. And for modern times, the heart of the president is in his hand. And the heart of the governor is in his hand. And the hearts of the representatives are in his hand. And he will do his will. And we need to give him glory for that. And we need to fear him for that. We need to boldly preach his word. 
We need to submit. Uh, we we need to submit to His will in our lives. Uh, we need to continue praying and uh, and being faithful. And that brought me to my last point. And they had great prayer. They had great prayer. They did not pray. They ceased not to pray. They prayed to God, and He gave them direction of leadership. They prayed, and He gave them power on the day of Pentecost to preach. And they prayed, and 3,000 souls were saved. They prayed, and 5,000 souls were saved. They prayed, and multitudes were saved. They prayed, and uh, men were released from prison. They prayed, and people were healed. They prayed for deliverance, and they were delivered. They prayed that the message would go out, and God sent missionaries out to preach the gospel. They had great prayer. They were a great church. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And folks, if we keep these things in mind and we realize that our salvation in in God is something that's great, something that's wonderful, and we make it precious to us, more precious than gold and silver, and we allow the, the preaching and we allow and we and we go for the baptisms and we go for the souls being saved and we and we have the the teachings and the togetherness and the faith and the giving and the purpose and the praise then we'll have the power then we'll have the power